welcome everybody to episode 16 of Riders and Fighters, a podcast. I'm your host, AJ Ortega, and today I'll be interviewing a writer, a writer for the screen. I got Canadian filmmaker Jennifer Mulligan on the show. She's a writer, director, and producer. I found her work through Twitter, which led me to her website where I was able to watch a few of her short films. She's an award-winning director and has some great insight into making movies, writing, collaboration, the Canadian film scene, and we even talk a little bit about fight stuff. So stay tuned for that interview. It's WrestleMania weekend, which is the world of professional wrestling is a spectacle of theater, and once a year they have the equivalent of their Super Bowl, and it's the biggest spectacle of all. This year it was held in Florida in an open-air stadium. There was a weather delay about 30 minutes because of rain, but they ended up pulling off the show with 25,000 people, which is like a quarter of the capacity of this giant football stadium, And I didn't watch all of the event, but it's like a big kind of comeback show because this is the first time they've had a big audience, you know, in a year. So the show goes off last night, the first of a two-night event, and I didn't watch all of it, but I did watch the main event between Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. I like both performers a ton. I've been a fan of Sasha Banks for several years now. I figured Belair was going to win. And she did, but there were some really cool spots that showed Belair's strength, which is one of the things that they highlight in terms of her character with the moves, but also like on commentary, they often reference uh, how strong she is. And there was this moment in the match where they're not in the ring, they're on the outside, and Belair has uh, Sasha Banks up over her head in the gorilla press position, and to show how strong she uh, she is and how effortless she makes this. She walks up the ring steps with Sasha pressed over her head and just dumps her in the ring. I thought that was a really cool, simple moment. There was also a moment when Sasha got whipped with Bianca Belair's hair because she has a super long braid that's thick and several feet long. And when she got whipped, Sasha had... It it sounded like the crack of a whip. It was super loud. It sounded great on TV. And Sasha had a huge welt on on her body afterwards. So that was a really fun match. There was a bunch of really cool spots, including those two I just mentioned. Belair wins, which is great and cool because she's kind of the young up-and-comer. But this keeps Sasha 100% defeated at WrestleMania. She's had zero wins after seven WrestleMania appearances, I believe. And that sucks because she is a great performer and should get her WrestleMania moment. Um, she's been in, you know, a couple of, like, uh, matches of the year, you know, I think, you know, back in the NXT days and things like that. And so seeing her lose yet again at WrestleMania is kind of tough, you know, and she's been on the fence with the company before. And so I, I hope they start utilizing her post-WrestleMania. And we'll I guess we'll just have to see about that, though. Then I scoured the internet to watch the Bad Bunny and Damian Priest tag team match versus... Miz and Morrison. I had tuned in late, so I had to go find it online and, and watch it. So I managed to do that. And I love The Miz, by the way. He's really one of my favorite wrestlers. And this match over-delivered. A lot of people are confused and even upset with the inclusion of 
Bad Bunny in a WrestleMania match. Bad Bunny, if you don't know, is a Puerto Rican musical artist, rapper, reggaeton music. I guess they call it Latin trap these days. But he incorporates actually lots of genres, and he's quite talented. And he's like white hot in American pop culture and beyond. And I knew he was a wrestling fan because of a few lines in his songs. He references wrestlers. But he really showed his admiration for wrestling by taking this seriously. And there, there's been several celebrities that get involved in wrestling. But only to certain capacities because, well, wrestlers train all the time and perform all the time to get as good as they are. So obviously the caliber of the performance is questionable at times. But I think Bad Bunny is tied with Stephen Amell as far as the best wrestling performance by a celebrity. He did a he did a move called the Falcon Arrow, which is a modified standing like vertical suplex. He also did a top rope cross body to the outside onto the three other guys. He even did a Canadian Destroyer in the match, which is a really impressive looking move. It was all just really well done. And it was all done very safely because you can't have this international music superstar getting hurt in the ring. That's just not going to be good. And so you can tell they trained him really well and that he took it seriously. So kudos to him. I think he really did show his admiration and appreciation for uh, the wrestling world as a fan Uh, but did it in a really respectful way. And he's been plugged in for several months as they've been hyping this. But this was he was really in that match. It wasn't like he was in 10% of the match and his tag team partner was doing most of the work. Like, they let him wrestle. Like, he was in there for over half the match. Like, he was the centerpiece, not like the afterthought. And so, very well done. Whichever producers put that one together, uh, that was a really cool match those four guys put together. Uh, so go look up the highlights. You won't be disappointed, especially if you're a fan of his music. Uh, it, it really is a treat. Anyhow, enough WrestleMania talk. All right, let's get to that interview because it was really cool. So here's Jennifer Mulligan and I talking about movie stuff. Enjoy. All right, I am sitting here with writer, producer, director Jennifer Mulligan. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Primarily, I'm a screenwriter, although I have directed uh, a couple of short films, one more professional than the other. Uh, I did one for fun back in 2013. And then I did one with a grant, uh, like with a grant workshop from a local video co-op here in Ottawa. So it was in 2017. And that was really fun. Yeah, I've produced, I've done some work for some other people, and I've, I've been on set a lot for some independent films in Ottawa as well, uh, between 2011 and 2015 or so. Great, great. Yeah, I found, I found you through, uh, like, Twitter and your website mostly, and took a look at your, yeah, your short films and stuff, I thought it was super neat. And so did you always want to work in film, or what, did, what started the, like, creative path towards filmmaking? Well, I grew up in the late 70s and early 80s as a kid, so I was very influenced by TV and film growing up. But I think I like I have it's funny, I have writing from when I was a kid. It was very influenced by actors and TV. And then, you know, you kind of get into high school, like later high school and college and 
you kind of start to figure out what you want to do. And I moved away from the arts. I had been heavily involved in arts in high school and you know, written poetry and art class and everything. And then, yeah, in my late 20s, I guess I found a book about screenwriting and it just it just clicked like everything just clicked like it was this is what I'm meant to be doing you know and so uh yeah so I brought the book home devoured it and then started to try to look for classes and courses and whatnot and I started with the screen uh the Canadian Screen Training Center and they were running weekend workshops so I met a, a local screenwriter through there and then I just kept taking courses so I don't know if like it was always like like there was definitely a period of time where it was gone, where I think I was pursuing other interests. Like I helped run a poetry reading series for a while and I worked in an art store and I did modeling and I studied electronics. So there was a whole bunch of things in between like high school and when I came back to writing and, and making films. So, or being involved in the film industry. So yeah, so there's a lot of interests. And then when I found that, I knew that that was the thing that I wanted to do. So I would say like, yeah, I think I was like 20 it was it was in my late 20s like 29 or 30 kind of thing so oh that's really really interesting that you know you had these this experience and, and exposure to the arts and creativity and, and things like this and then you you know find yourself going specifically into one area being the filmmaking thing and I think that's good I think it's important that uh creative people uh writers in specific we don't take that straight path and kind of go this way and that way and do oh. weird things and then because uh, otherwise <laughs> what the hell are you going to write about really right so so exactly. I think <laughs> so I think that that's pretty pretty awesome and so in terms of the movies and film and you being a screenwriter and did you have writers that you looked up to or even directors or genres of film that you were like that's kind of what I want to go for. That Those are the filmmakers I want to be alongside, again, in, in, in that kind of, these are my inspirations or influences. I had an older brother and sister, so I think I was heavily influenced by their choices in a lot of pop culture, only because, like, I worked with them in the city when I, so I was, I'm from a small town in, in uh, western Quebec called Shawville, and so I came down to the city when I was between 13 and 15, and I worked with them, and so I was exposed to a lot of more, like, stuff that was just a bit outside of my age range too, but then also heavily in my age range with my peer group. So, I, you know, I was reading like Stephen King books when I was like 11, which I probably shouldn't have been, but like, you sure, know, yeah, as yeah. you do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, watching a lot of movies with my older cousins and stuff. So like, and it was a lot of horror movies. So I remember watching like Nightmare on Elm Street, like a dozen times, you know, summer of whenever it came out, I remember watching like, and then like more, uh, you know, like, gremlins I was petrified of you know and I watched like, like so I did I think I I think that's where my interests lay in sort of like exploring like darker elements of humanity and, and the human psyche and whatnot coming from that period of time I think that was heavily influenced from music and movies and tv my parents were of a totally different generation they were quite a bit older so I don't feel like I got much influence from them with that respect but definitely from my older brother and sister yeah, I had a, a an older cousin that, you know, would expose me to these horror movies and things like this. And, you know, the you know, the guy that had a, a cool home theater system in his bedroom and Fangoria magazines and, <laughs> right. and stuff like that. And uh, a laser disc player. Right. Those guys like because <laughs> yeah, he's, right? he's a film That's nerd. A... Right. Or whatever. Right. Like <laughs> I remember I remember my brother. I, like I had this very vivid memory of having a laser disc player for like a hot minute in like the in the 80s my brother bringing home these like huge discs 
saying like, this is the, you know, so yeah, no, I totally remember that. But that was my brother, right? That was like totally influenced from him. And, and, uh, you know, my parents were from a rural community and, you know, I was programming their VCR. Like, it's just, you know, it's sort of interesting how two generations of my family was really my, my, or three, my parents, and then my older brother and sister, and then me, we were really spanning quite a wide generational gap between those three, between those three groups. So, um, and then I had a lot of friends, like I, I, uh, I kind of grew up as an only kid because my, my siblings were out of the house. So I had a lot of peer friends who were more like sisters in that respect. You mentioned that you do write other things or have written other things like, like poetry. And so do you see that as like, separate from your writing like for the screen or story concepts for the screen you know it's one of those things I you know when I talk to young creative writers and things like this I'm like you know sometimes you have this concept or idea or premise or and you got to figure out well is it that is it a short film or is it a poem or is it a a short story or a novel chapter and, and so on so do you see that experience you have in writing poetry do you see that as separate from your writing for the screen or somehow intertwined? Or what's your perspective on the multiple genre kind of writer thing? I think my writing specifically tends to be a bit more poetic at first. I tend to, that's where my terse imageistic, like very imagistic, very sort of like a shortcut to the images, right? So I feel like, you know, I feel like one of my first scripts, my first features that I wrote was a friend's, uh, an adaptation of a friend's novel. And it's very poetic. It's very sort of weird and strange and nonlinear. And, and then someone read it and it's like, that's really poetic. And then, you know, so I feel like that's where my first senses kind of lie in terms of my writing, but I feel like my writing has changed over the course of, let's say the last five to seven years specifically, once I'm getting into more commercial, more and more stuff like that. But in my independent stuff, like if you watch my short film, then I wanted to capture that I wanted to basically play and capture a poem in images with sound and words and create something layered. And so I really wanted to do that for myself. And that was, you know, that was, I mean, it was tough. It was interesting but it, and, and tough, but I feel like that's where, if I could just play all the time, that would be where I would land. Um, if I'm writing something for somebody else or I'm writing, you know, for a, a commercial endeavor, then it's very, uh, it, it's to me, it's a very different process. I, I saw that your short film was called a cinepoem, which I thought was mm-hmm. that's like a cool, neat thing I hadn't really exactly heard of. But when I saw, it, I was like, oh, I think I know what that is because I've seen enough film and short film and things like this. And and yeah, that that it's uh, this layered, almost like collage montage thing that you can condense really in, in a really interesting way. And so. That's one of the things I'm kind of curious about is how do you get to that point? And so I know the kind of maybe the impetus to be like, well, let me do this more exploratory kind of a little bit different kind of an angle as I approach film with this kind of poetic lens. How do you come to that? What's the process like to come up with a story concept or script, right? And then that's, you know, for something like this versus something like uh, a commercial gig. So for my poem. I felt that it was in me for a long time. So I don't know what you read on it, but it was based on, it was based on when I saw my mom pass away. So, and I really, I, and I had all the beds, right? So I really wanted to try to capture something. And I remember telling someone that summer, so like the summer, like early fall of 2013, like I had this idea. And so she was like, you should do it. Totally. You should do it. So 
it took me four, well, three, 2013, yeah, 2016 is when I applied. So it took me like three years to kind of like mesh it all together in my head as to what I wanted to do and what I could feasibly do on a small budget. Cause I knew that it would have to be tight and, you know, not a lot of pieces, but I knew that I wanted to do something a bit different. So that's how I really approached that. And I worked from the poem inwards to the images. So came up with the poem in a loose, but yet sort of nailed down kind of way. And then I worked in with a cinematographer. We came up with like, I, like I came up with the first list of shots and we worked up, how can we do this? And then once we got on set that day, I think it all kind of came together. I put together props. I had all the beds. I was mostly at my sister's house for the interior. And then the exteriors were at my brother's place, which is very reminiscent of where we all grew up. So I feel like there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of story packed in that short five minutes and 39 seconds that you won't know, like you wouldn't know specifically what I'm trying to capture unless you kind of knew me. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's explanatory enough about sort of the upper layer of the story. And then for commercial stuff, I feel like I start, I, I have been making an effort because I usually start with a plot or a premise or, but I have been making a concerted effort to start with super freaking interesting characters right so I feel like that's where you know in the past where I wasn't quite as confident I think writing I would have probably started with like this cool premise or whatever but now it's like who do I want to write about because I feel like there's elements of characters and how do you relate the story of a person's life to yourself like that's the big thing now is like why this why now right why are you writing this so I really want to find elements of humans and other humans that I can tell that somehow relates to me that somehow relates to what I'm either experiencing or something I know to be true or some element like that where, or it's part of my past and I'm sort of reimagining and repackaging into some sort of character that I can then explore things through. So that's, uh, that's how I would approach those two different things. Like certainly coming up with poetry first and layering on top of that, and then coming up with interesting characters and like layering on top of those. Yeah, I think that's really interesting how you bring up, you know, your short, your, the short film, Death Isn't the Same Anymore, and, and with the repeated image of uh, the bed and things like this, which are reminiscent of the forms I'm familiar with in terms of poetry, right? And being able to, like you said, convey something emotional, something that, that's going to move people, but then there's also this other maybe deeper layer and stuff that maybe like you said, you have to maybe know you or know about you to kind of get that other layer or two or something. But that's like a lot of like writing and maybe a lot of poetry too. Like there's times like yeah. I know, like I like certain poems and I was like, I couldn't like deconstruct it and teach it like other ones I can, but this one I like it and I don't know why maybe sometimes and is it that important? And so I really liked watching that death isn't the same anymore and this almost like montage collage with, with uh, some narrative kind of poetic language. And then I also looked at the uh, short one, uh, Algebra, Reunion of Broken Parts, which is much more linear, much more narrative kind of based, which people would, you know, understand as film, right? Character driven. And here's a yeah. short little arc and things like that. So I think it's really cool that you you do both, you know, versus um, like in, in the writing world, there's there's poets that I just don't get. Like there's not enough for me to hold on to. Yeah. But then there's stuff that, that is very kind of like traditional storytelling, as it were, right? And and driven by character. And so I think that's really neat that you have both of those uh, abilities and know why you do both. I think that's really cool. 
Um, yeah, and algebra was, uh, I don't know if it's on my website. I don't think it did. But so when I pitched algebra, so it was part of Digi60 Filmmakers Festival back in 2012. Uh, the screenwriters were able to pitch projects. So I pitched that one. And it was actually in response to um, Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. When oh. I saw that movie, I just like blew my mind. And I saw it at TIFF that fall. And Jif, Paul, the director of Algebra, had been, we went down, we were, um, we, we were both there. So we attended together. And, uh, and then I came back and I had this as a response, right? So it was sort of like discovering arts all over. <laughs> and you know and and you know it was so interesting to s- sort of envision something that I could write that could you know have some sort of depth like that in images and a quality that was able to be told in a way that was beautiful yet devastating yet you know and all those things right so I had pitched a slightly different story I'd pitched like a younger artist like but I think what Jeff did with it was he gave a gravitas having it be an older artist and then looking back on the life, like at the end with the dual image. So I think that there's something really interesting about that collaborative effort as well, where I think like something like death isn't the same anymore. It was all mostly all me with the actor and the cinematographer, but it was like, I was pouring out my ideas. Whereas I think with algebra, it was like a super collaboration between, you know, an art, like a writer and a, and a director. Yeah, that's one of those things that, like, you know, the collaborative process of filmmaking that, you know, to get the final product, it does take, at the very least, a couple of extra hands, right? Yeah. Usually, yeah. <laughs> usually. I was interested in film and stuff like that when I first got into college and stuff. Ended up getting a film minor, film studies, I should say, not film production. I realized pretty early that, well, I'd rather study movies than make them or something. Or if, if there's going to be any part of that in my world, it would be just strictly the writing and screenwriting part. But you have this yep. other element of, well, you also are the are a director and work in uh, production and things like this. And and so I think that's really cool that you, again, are able to exercise both. Like one that's very personal and very you and maybe less hands on it versus something that you know does have a whole lot of a collaboration and adapting and, and adjusting for the better, right? Because you get more brains, right? And things like that. And if things go well, then it brings it up a notch. And I yeah. thought that was really cool. Uh, I don't know, you know, uh, shout out to your cinematographer for uh, that algebra. Yeah, there's some really interesting shots that like, I'm a little bit rusty with my film theory and criticism stuff. But these repeated <laughs> images, these repeated images of like the artwork and then the broken mirror at the end, it's like this Oh, it's really interesting. And I'm like, this just, is really sharp. Yeah. It's really sharp right here. I'm looking at something really interesting. Yeah. Just pretty cool. Yeah. Jeff really took that story. And, you know, we found those cool uh, locations and the actor and, you know, like all within the Ottawa community too. Right. So it's, it's pretty cool that, um, you know, it was, it was a real, a real effort. And, and when, um, when it started getting into film festivals, that was pretty cool too, right? So like, I think that's all like, it's all part of the process of becoming an artist in terms of filmmaking is like, you go through and you make the thing and then you do the, you know, and, and people like it and then it gets into film festivals. And so I feel like it's, it's the, yeah, it's like exploring yourself as an artist and especially working in a small community like Ottawa and I'm on the, I'm on the Quebec side, but mm-hmm. it's all one region, but um there was a like there was a period of time where we were all kind of coming up together. We were all sort of making the short films, doing the things, and I feel like that's a very fertile ground for finding collaborators and finding people who kind of 
see the world the way you do when everybody's at the same level and wanting the same kinds of things and you can find out where the pieces fit together rather than you know try to fit yourself into something that's already but like people rising at the same time have the ability to create really awesome things for you know very you know very little money sometimes right so I and I think that that's sort of the beauty of working in a small community to learn the ropes and to learn where your interests lie and to learn who you can work with and how you work and then take that into a bigger arena and then expose yourself to larger groups and large and larger groups of people and and people working at the next level so you can kind of explore jumping up to that next level yeah i do think yeah you want to surround yourself with people that are are, are like-minded and want to see you get your projects to different levels of success and that's really cool that there's a community there and you've been plugged into it for uh, a good while. You mentioned, mm-hmm. you mentioned film festivals and stuff. And we, we did talk a bit about uh, the movie uh, the short movie you made death isn't the same anymore. And so tell me about, you know, it making some film festivals and, and getting uh, an award and things like that, like seeing it to completion. We talked a little bit about the inception of it and things like this. What about, okay, now it's not, it's just, it's not just out there but maybe it's kind of good because I got a little award for it, right? Like, tell me about that. <laughs> right. Tell me about that. Yeah, so the same year that uh, I had the idea for the film, uh, I decided that life was short and I was going to go to LA and go to a film festival. Never been, had not, like I'd been to California once, San Diego. And so I started Googling like women's film festival, this, that, and I found Lady Filmmakers Festival. And it was going to be, this was in like, and towards the end of July, I was starting to plot my course. So I went, it was at the end of September, uh, flew down for basically the weekend. I stayed a couple extra days. I met the organizers. They were fantastic people, you know, kept in touch with them. So that was the first year I entered a script the second year in 2014. Plus uh, I had a table read. They optioned the script. There was a a directed kind of table read or like a, a live read of it. And then they optioned the script. And then when I had the short in 2017, that was the first place I wanted to go with it. Right. I wanted to go back to the place where I felt that um, they had been very welcoming of me and very receptive to my work. And the short script I'd written, which they optioned uh, was very linear, but still had a whimsical kind of mystical sort of element to it. So yeah, I went back with a short film and uh, I had no idea that uh, anything was coming my way until the awards night. And then, yeah, I got one of the festival directors awards, which was really special to me because it sort of showed the progression of me as an artist in a bigger pool. It's, you know, I showed up, I got to know them, you know, they thought my writing was good when they optioned the script and then they took on my film and then I got the award. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a long road. It was like four, four years essentially, but I feel like it's been very fruitful. So now through them again, I have distribution for that short film. Right. So I feel like, again, it's like, this and people will say it every time it's built on relationships right this whole industry is built on relationships and I feel like by showing up and you know being a cool person or a nice person or you know and just not demanding and like you're just a a cool person to want to get to know and so I feel like me showing up and doing the work you know that has led to bigger and better things from that I think the film did well it got into another film festival which I had met the organizer of down at St. Lawrence I was one of their jury members for the documentaries. And so I went down to that film festival, hung out for a couple of days and, you know, the film festival got into their online screenings because they had gone virtual. So 
you know, again, I think it's making friends with people. It's uh, them getting to know your work, them liking you and your work and giving you a space, right? And, and giving you a platform to show your work. No, that's really cool. You know, you get those successes and get to see, not just see your stuff, you know, uh, come to fruition, but also uh, do well and and get support. And you're right, it does take, you know, certain, um, it, it takes a good while. You know, all these artistic yeah. endeavors do and then there's moments where as writers, uh, creatives, or artists, we level up, I think, right? Where it's like, oh, now I'm at a new level. Like, I, like you're making movies, really making movies, right? Like, well, I'm, I got this thing published in this, in this magazine. Now, I'm over, now I'm, I'm, I clicked it up a notch. And those kinds of things are really, you know, exciting because lots of times you're just grinding and grinding. You're like, what am I doing? What am I, where are we <laughs> going with this stuff, you know? Yeah. And then to see it do well, like that... Uh, you know, just gives you that little bit of a a push to keep on going to the next project. You know, I, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think uh, I think it's I, I think it's imperative to get uh, you know to sort of see to see your work the way it's meant to be seen with you know with other people's you know out in the world with other people, right? And I think that filmmaking, especially, you know, the first short film. I don't know if you watched on my website, but it was a funny little short film I made for Digi 60, right? In, in 2013, it was called um, Sam, the great white land shark. And I, I talk about it in sort of like comical way because it was a total, like, you know, it was just me and my friends making up a funny story. We were in Iceland at the time, again, back in September, 2013. And, you know, the, the catch Digi 60 is a catch based festival that, you know, you have to, they give you an idea and then you base your film around the idea. And so it was, it was all of these ridiculous things. And I was like, I'm going to just make something. So, you know, and I buckled down and I did it. And it was, it was that sort of whimsical idea of making these little characters do these funny things that I think was a lot of fun. And, and it wasn't meant to be serious, but it was, it was still, I did the editing myself and I got a sound, I got a sound person and I did the audio in a professional studio. So I took it seriously, even though it's not a serious film. <laughs> so it was, you know, and it's funny how like, you can do that, you know, and, and I think that that's part of the magic too, is that you can make fun things as well and not be, you know, not be so, um, oh, sorry, my cat is like crying in the background. I'm not sure if you hear me. So, um, you know, you can make these funny things and it can be entertaining as well, you know, and, and I think that's part of, that's also part of growing as a filmmaker. Yeah, that's good that, you know, having, uh, you know, a bit of a bit of range, you know, do something kind of, you know, whimsical, kind of wacky, kind of a little bit more loose and fun. Uh, but again, still, like, I put that together professionally as I could. And and then, you know, then something a little heavier or more serious, whatever that means, right? Like, but yeah. that that you can have that tonal range as well. I think that's pretty cool. You mentioned you are in Canada. And yes. you mentioned there the film scene in like Ottawa and things like this. Like in, in, and in the USA, we know that there we got the LA and New York hubs, but then you also got weird stuff like Santa Fe, New Mexico and Austin, Texas and, and things like this. What observations might you have because I'm an uncultured American about film from Canada and then maybe <laughs> film in like the US? Does that even, is there even a distinction these days? I just think that's interesting because this podcast is weirdly kind of international. So you know, we do a lot of service work up here for American, uh, you know, American outfits. And we do a lot of, you know, I think Ottawa is best known for uh, Hallmark, you know, the Christmas movies, the Lifetime movies, stuff like that, only because it's it's a little bit cheaper to make up here with tax credits, uh, different scales, you know, for actors and, and crew and stuff like that. So 
I think that there's a number of different uh, benefits from having um, for, you know, Canadian crew being able to work on American shows. As for independent stuff, I think, um, you know, I think it's a little tougher to make, you know, sort of your opus or your, you know, your art, you know, Canada Council funds pure artists. So, you know, you can get development money for your scripts, but, you know, you're, you're, um, you know, you're the director and you're controlling the art from soup to nuts, right? So it's like, you know, and then there's funding bodies and, and whatnot for larger pieces. And I think then telefilm for developing talent through their talent to watch. I think it's being renamed to something else, but there's a few funding bodies that will sort of work you through a system where you come in making $100,000 movies, then you move up to like maybe a 1 million and then like 2.5 and then, you know, sort of from off from there. And I think, so I think that there's, you know, up here it's, it's very much funded through either telefilm or some of these, you know, private pots of money like the Harold Greenberg fund, which is um, through Bell Canada and just different and different stuff like that, or it's through foundations and whatnot. Whereas I feel like in the States, the budgets are obviously higher for stuff a lot of the times. And it's a, just a different model in terms of how things get made. And so part of it is, you know, trying to maybe navigate in the different fields sometimes. Like I do write with a few people up here where, you know, we have a few things circulating with Canadian producers and then, I have like a different lens for stuff I'm working on in the United States. So it's a different, it doesn't have to be, but I just think I see sort of like a difference in terms of my work. You know, that's how a few people see it. Like, I don't think I'm alone in that, you know? And so, so you know, I think that there's differences, but also again, the service work comes up here. So your creative is happens in the States and then you turn around, you shoot it in Canada for the tax credits or, or funds or, or whatnot. Right. So, I feel like it's a it's a bit of a collaboration between the two between the two countries. No, oh, yeah, I, I think that's the way it is these days. Again, that you brought up like immediately the the business element of it. It's like, well, it's cheaper to make movies up here yeah. sometimes, right? Just like you know, I'm in in a I, I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah, and yeah, they you can make this state look like anywhere, right? And so like those kinds yeah. of things, like well, and so there'll be you know there's a, there's a film scene up here and and uh, and things like that. No, I think that's cool. Very cool answer. What do you got going on next? Like, uh, are how often are you like writing new stuff or trying to find, um, you know, the the people to collaborate with on a script? Like, what's your next projects or so? I'm working on a pilot for my manager right now, so that's almost coming to like I have a solid draft on that. So we're gonna try. I think I think the idea is is you know get it up to uh, a certain level and then take it out and then. Up here, I'm working on a couple of TV show ideas and a couple of features. Like, I have a couple of things going on, mostly mostly TV ideas. Like, I have, I have two writing partners up here for very different things. Like, one brought me in on a feature film, and we're looking for a producer for that. And then, uh, and then yeah, so a couple of TV show ideas. So, you know, there's always something in the hopper. Like, I always have something going on. I'm involved in a couple of different writing groups. I feel like they each provide me a lens onto my work that will give me valuable insight in terms of what I'm working on and how it's kind of being perceived from different places. And mostly I've met those people through either Twitter or through the Austin film festival where I had been going until COVID hit. And then, uh, yeah. And then a group of people who, who are all women who are supporting each other and 
lifting us up, lifting each other up in terms of support and reading and, you know, giving advice and, and whatnot. So I think there's a couple of different lenses there that I'm, you know, that I'm really happy with in terms of the people I've surrounded myself with, because we're all working towards the same goals. You know, we all want to get stuff made. And I think that that's the ultimate goal. And, and uh, yeah, and like, you know, that there's a hundred different ways in, <laughs> you yeah. know, I know people say that, but like, there really is like some people I know have made short films. Some people I know have gone through TV first. Some people, you know, and so I feel like there's a place for everybody. You just have to kind of find it. And then you kind of have to buckle down and do the work and, and, that's, you know, it's the discipline, it's the focus. And that's what I found over this past year for myself is that like the focus just kind of, you know, kind of went out the window, oh, sure. but you know, I've been, I've been keeping in it and I've been, you know, trying to maintain as much as I can with everything going on. And then, you know, I see other people just grinding away and it inspires me to do the same. Right. So, yeah. So there's a lot of that. Yeah. I just, I try to keep busy, you know, I try to be involved in like, I started a screenwriting group on Facebook 10 years ago. And so that, you know, is active all the time and it's a very uh, community-based group as well. Yeah. So I just try to stay active. No, that's good that you have a, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of stuff in the air and, and always still kind of, you know, reaching out and you have uh, writers groups and, and things like that. That, uh, yeah, that's the smart thing. I tell my students that want to be writers and some of them want to make movies, which is really neat because I'll teach a screenwriting unit in my like creative writing course and they get all into it. And I'm like, y'all, you, you can like, like you have a camera in your pocket that's really nice. Like just go, you can make movies now and these kinds of things. And and I tell them like collaborate with your peers right now because you yeah. you lose that when you leave school and you have to seek it. Like you are in these writing groups or, or writing retreats and stuff, which sometimes cost money. Or if you have a writing group, sometimes people maybe not are, aren't as dedicated as you, and it becomes a nightmare sometimes. And so you really want to take advantage of it while you have writers around you. Because what you have in writers groups, I think, is kind of rare. Like successful writing groups that have like you know really good collaboration. You're kind of tight. I have people that have really great stories about that, but it doesn't always go that way because it is rare. It is hard. Yeah, yeah. So it is. Yeah, and I feel like you. I feel like the groups that I'm a part of have come together because we're f like it's not all the cases, but I feel like the ones where. I'm thinking back to my group, excuse me, mm -hmm, thinking back to one of the groups and we all met at Austin Film Festival. So we have that as sort of, you know, our joint place we all met. And then the women we have, it's all women's groups. So we're all, we all know at least one other person in the groups. So we're sort of like a network of friends. Mm -hmm. And then the Canadian group is the fact that it's like, we're all kind of at the same level and we all want to kind of push through to the next level right so there's something that connects everybody and I feel like that's the real the real specialness and then I and then I also have a group another I also have another group of, of people from uh who I've met through another writing group from from years back who I keep in touch with more sporadically but we we keep in touch over you know over um an app that we have right so you know I think everybody is everybody in my circles are pretty much pushing for the same thing at the same time. And I think that lifts everybody up. It keeps us all moving forward. And I feel like that's, if you, if you're looking for inspiration, you're looking for that thing, it's grab a friend, you know, and, and do like, just keep people close. <laughs> like if I know it sounds funny, but it's, it's so true. Like they keep you inspired and you keep them inspired. It's, it's, it's a very reciprocal relationship a lot of the times. And you see them like going for contests or making short films or, meeting with producers or whatever and it's like oh that's so cool like 
you know, and, and then it's like, then it's your turn the next time. And then they're congratulating you. And it's very, it's got a real camaraderie kind of feel, which I think is um, it sort of keeps you afloat, you know, through these harder times, like, especially with isolation and stuff. No, yeah, writing is a isolated thing anyway, and then you do like pandemic writing. <laughs> it's like, well, now we are like <laughs> hyper isolated, and that, uh, yeah, and you want the people that you know are happy for your successes and you're happy for theirs and things like that. Yeah, I think, uh, and that's part of the reason I I do this podcast because again, I I only invite people on that I want to promote their stuff. You know, like cool. wh- whether it's the writing stuff or the fighting things. Which brings me to my next question, actually, (laughs) as we start to wind down. Obviously, clearly, you are a writer. I interviewed writers and fighters. You are clearly a writer. So I always ask my writers, have you ever trained or had interest in, like, combat sports or anything like that that might have some kind of overlap there? I haven't. I think the closest – I was thinking about this question today. (laughs) Um, I think the closest I ever came was a kickboxing class, probably in my 20s. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. And then I did, it's not combat, but I did ref Olympic weightlifting for two years at, in the Ontario circuit. Very cool. Part of it is I have a back issue, so I can't really do like contact stuff because sure. I just don't know where the, you what know, it can take. Sure. Yeah. Like, and, and so, and it's, I've had that since I was 13, I have scoliosis with rods on my back. So it's really about like protecting myself at this point. So I'm not, I don't end up like in a wheelchair by the time I'm like 50. right? So, so, but but, um, I, and I I think part of it is uh, like, I enjoy watching fights like that. And I think that that's part of it. Like I watched MMA for, oh God, like years, Uh, you know? Yeah. Like I I, I love the strategy around it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like watching an artist work, right? Because it's like watching someone try to figure out their strategies and try to figure out like where to go and what to do. And and so to me, it was always really fascinating watching people like whether they were, you know, whether they were on the ground kind of grappling or whether they were taking somebody or like it just, it was so fascinating how they approached their craft, right, of, of fighting. And so that was really interesting. And then, you know, one of the movies that I really like, I really like The Fighter the movie the fighter oh, you know it's tremendous. and yeah yeah and like it just it was just sort of you know the right movie at the right time and it kind of stuck with me all these years and so you know i think that there's something about the vulnerability of like fighting that really sort of sticks with me as a story in terms of like why you choose to do it as a person and you know and i like i think that there's like reasons for everybody but part of it is you know like some people just love it you know and it's and they're what they think their calling is right so I find that really fascinating in terms of people and their skill set and their strategies for winning and 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 stuff like that yeah I I think that's cool that you mentioned that you know when you see somebody that's like exceptional at uh, some element of like mixed martial arts for example and it's like you're watching an artist work and well like you know, mixed martial arts, you know, the martial arts are a, a, a type of art and, and they intertwined into different cultures and so, and so forth, and so forth, which is really interesting. But there is a, a certain artistic quality to it, I think, you know. You see, uh, even, you know, talking about the movie The Fighter, which I think is great, one of my, you know, based off one of my favorite uh, fighters, Mickey Ward, right, Irish Mickey Ward from Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, and yeah, you saw that guy. Like, you want to see poetry? Watch him. See, watch him throw a left hook to the body and and drop a guy to a knee. Like, that's poetry right there. And uh, and that. Well, why do you do that? And that movie gets that into that 
weird world of why are you doing this? Like, look at what it's doing to you and your family and stuff. But he, you know, insists on it and and so on and, and is and is unique and exceptional at what he does. And so, yeah, that metaphor, that built-in metaphor of fighting. Well, we're always fighting something, right? And and so there's that built-in metaphor of struggle, overcoming, and stuff like that. I think that's super cool. Did you like kickboxing? Yeah. Did you like kickboxing well, training? Yeah, I did. You know, like I have this very distinct memory of, of the gym I was in at the time. Like I, I, I tend to sort of have eidetic memory. So it's like, I have this very visceral, you know, I can see myself, I can see like the, the mats, I can see other people in the room. So, you know, and, and so I think it was really interesting. And because I did weightlifting for a number of years, not at a, not at a professional level or anything, it was more just classes and whatnot, but you know, I, I think it's the physicality of moving your body. It's so different than like the cerebral moving of emotions. If wow, that's right. so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's good. Like, you know, and, and like, I think it grounded me in a way that I have not found necessarily. Like, I think that like your physical body, you have to stay so focused on your physical body to not hurt yourself when you're working with weights or in, in combat with someone or, and so I feel like you're working the two sides of your brain essentially. Right. And you're, you're writing and your exercise or fighting for, you know, for that aspect where the, fo- where it's always about focus. It's always about in the moment focus. And I feel like that's where the best work came out in the gym was pure focus in the moment. And then also in writing pure focus and in the moment, because, you know, I think that there's, there's this switch for, for me anyway, there's like a switch of, you know, I can, I can be doing something, but if I focus on it, then other things kind of part, other things kind of subside and I can just focus on the writing. And that was exactly the way I felt with, you know, lifting weights or doing, you know, uh, like I did, um, again, because of my back, I couldn't do regular deadlifts. I had to do these sumo deadlifts. And I remember distinctly, like for a long time I was fighting, I was like incrementing by like, you know, a half a kilo, like just tiny, tiny increments. And then one day something just clicked and I went, what am I doing? And I just, the next time I just lifted like way more than I'd ever lifted. And I think it's, again, it's the focus because it's, it's like you're, fo- you're like, you're focusing on the wrong thing. When you start focusing on the right things, other things fall by the wayside. And that's, I find in writing and in, you know, exercising and, or, you know, I can, I could see that the same way for like being in a combat sport and being in the moment with that other person and the strategies and understanding their movements against yours and really you have to be in it with them. You can't, you know, you can't sort of like, Oh, what am I going to do for like, what am I going to do for lunch tomorrow? Like, no, 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 you're in, you're in this right now. And, you know, I think that there's a real magic to that, uh, you know, in the moment quality. Yeah. I like that you bring up the, this, that analogy of the focus that it takes, the, the, uh, not the focus that is required to train and, you know, whether it's like, whether it is something like weightlifting or, or boxing or, or wrestling or kickboxing and the focus that it takes to write or create even, right? That it, it's a, you got to get a certain amount of tunnel vision in the, in the fighting for your own safety, right? But there's a certain meditative element to it. You know, I have, a, you know, friends that they need the gym, right? Or friends that need to run or whatever. And it's like, you know, if I get into like 
a boxing gym and it's like the speed bag, which is really an impractical thing. There's not a whole lot of functional thing. Like you're not going to hit anybody like you hit the speed bag. It's just, but yeah. there's this really hypnotic meditative thing for me when I hit the speed bag and I, and it's like, oh, I'm kind of clumsy at first and you kind of get that rhythm. You're digging it, digging it, digging it. And it's like, then I'm like, nothing matters except this speed bag in front of me right now. And, and, and that's how I get when I'm revising a poem, you know, <laughs> like it's like, uh, you just kind of get laser focused on something and and everything else kind of washes away yeah totally no totally i i would uh i would say that too like i used to um i used to do like some stuff in the gym where you know skipping like just skipping and skipping and skipping or one night i remember being at the gym and like doing box jumps for like i i swear it must have been like must have been like 45 minutes i just did it over and over and over and it's just every time your feet would land and then you would adjust your feet or you would and it is hypnotic. It is like, because there's nothing else. Yeah. It's just you in the box or you in the bar or you, you know, and it, and it becomes like, it becomes a, a, a different thing. It becomes a flow thing. It be whatever, you know, whatever you call that, sure. it becomes, you know, and same with writing. Like you can, you can do like, if you have 10 minutes to write, find the flow. If you have an hour to write, find it. If you have five minutes to write, you know, I feel like people can find it. It's the ability to slip in and out of it and to sort of, you know, focus whatever, increment of time you have and to find the time and uh you know make it make it as productive and as fruitful even if it's just staring out the window (laughs) thinking about something for five minutes right like I I do that here when you know during the day sometimes if I'm stuck on something for my work day or I'm thinking about something I'll switch and I'll think about a character I'll think about something and then it's just the focus and what's that problem and then something will percolate up and I'll sit later and I'll write it and it'll just kind of come out of me. So, yeah. So I think there's a lot of, uh, there, there's a lot of value in focus. Oh, that's awesome. So cool. No, I love your responses to that question. It's usually one people <laughs> get weirdly nervous about, but everybody has something to say about it. And, uh, so that's really cool. And it's even, it's, it gets really fun when I invert that for the, the fighters and, and what they read and write. It's really interesting. So I appreciate I you. That's really, really, really cool response. So what do you got, uh, what do you got going on in terms of, uh, social media stuff so we can keep up with you and and see when your new projects drop and, th- and things like that yeah so uh my website jennifermulligan.com i don't update it probably as much as i should um <laughs> you better but, put this um, on there <laughs> yeah yeah oh no 100 yeah yeah for sure um social media i'm i'm usually uh everywhere at miss ms mulligan m-i-z-m-u-l-l-i-g-a-n that's uh, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, uh, Facebook. I'm just under my reg- my regular name. I'm not on Facebook very much, sure. Um, but uh, I'm on Twitter a lot and Instagram sometimes, and then Clubhouse when uh, when something cool is happening. So yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been fun being on social media. I think that the Twitter the Twitter community, uh, the writing community on Twitter is uh, exceptional, and uh, you know meeting a lot of cool people and just seeing what other people are doing and getting to know people through there. Like, I think I've made um, several good friends just by, you know, showing up in some of the groups and, you know, like just participating and reading other people's scripts too. I think that's something that I've really done uh, more so of in this past year is reading people I don't know. Like I'd read a lot of stuff from people I did know from the Ottawa community, but then branching out and reaching out to the people. And then last year around this time, I offered to read a couple of scripts from underrepresented um, communities and stuff. And so I selected a few scripts and got to meet some people who keep in touch with me. And it's, it's nice. It's an, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice feeling to sort of help somebody else out. Yeah. I think the social media thing is uh, 
again, it's just such an interesting world because I, I see on Twitter, I see like fight Twitter and I see writer Twitter and they're both weirdly, <laughs> they're just both so weird, but so interesting. And and that's how yeah. I'm, I'm pulling this, this weird project of the podcast off is I'm leaning into, you know, friends that like, you know, want to come do the podcast and, you know, do a favor for me. And then also finding new people like yourself just through Twitter. I was like, well, here's here's an interesting thing. Let me click this and let me look at your IMDb page. Let me, and, and, and that's how I've, I've just reached out to, to, to some people that way. And, and yeah, just, uh, it, it, it's working out. So it's, uh, the social media thing's really interesting and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're plugged into groups and things like that and still, you know, utilizing it for what it's made for, right? Like you're, you're actually networking on social media, which is pretty dope. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Like I, you know, um, I think one of the one of the things that happened in uh, gosh was it, it was two years ago I guess 2019 yeah so it was April of 2019 almost exactly two years ago I went to Los Angeles for the like for just for a week of, meet, of meetings and whatnot and uh, just happened to be that week where there were a number of different events happening and one of them happened to be on the Wednesday night it was like a pre WGA writers meetup at a bar and so you know, I went, I, and cause I, I wasn't going to have the opportunity to meet my Twitter friends, you know? So, you know, and, and I went and I got to meet in like a few hours, I got to meet so many people who I'd only interacted with on Twitter. Oh, cool! And I feel like it was just so, you know, so nice to just meet the people who you'd either had conversations or you were plugged into their lives from Twitter or, or whatnot. And just to sort of, you know, say, Hey, like you're a person, I'm a person, like let's chat, you know? And so I met a ton of people that night and I still like they're all still on Twitter and you know we still keep in touch and it's just kind of nice it's just a it's just nice to be plugged into people that you like that are that are doing the same thing you are doing. I agree that's super cool super cool. So we will direct people over to jennifermulligan.com and maybe you can get some new Twitter friends and stuff to network <laughs> with. So we'll do That'd that. Be cool. Well, cool. Hey, well thanks so much for doing this. It was a really cool fun interesting conversation. Again, I, I think your your short film stuff is super neat, and I, I, I wish you the best on the future projects, that's for sure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I was super stoked when uh, when, when you reached out. Well, great. I'm always up for a chat. Well, cool. <laughs> well, well when, the, when the next project comes out, you got to come back on. We'll plug that one. Oh, cool. That'd be, yeah, that would be awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Awesome. Take care. Okay. Good night. Right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Canadian filmmaker Jennifer Mulligan, writer, director, and producer. If you want to keep up with her projects and see uh, some of those short films that are available online, you can follow the links over on her website, jennifermulligan.com. Jennifermulligan.com. She's pretty active on Twitter. You can follow her at Ms. Mulligan, M-I-Z Mulligan. She's also on Instagram, same handle, Ms. Mulligan, M-I-Z Mulligan. You can follow the podcast all over social media, just type in Riders and Fighters. You can check out the website, ridersandfighters.com. You can see an episode list there if you want to go into the back catalog of previous interviews. Check that out. If you want to keep up with future episodes, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. 
make sure you subscribe on Spotify or any of your favorite podcast apps. Stay tuned next week. We're going to stick with the writing world. I'm going to have another writer on. I'm in the writing kind of mood and talking writing. So I'm going to have another writer on, Reyes Ramirez from Houston, Texas. Badass writer, somebody I admire. He'll be on next week, so stay tuned. You guys be good. You guys be safe.